Hallelujah. It's Resurrection Sunday. There's so many things that could be said and done and preached. But this is what I felt like the Lord was saying. John 11, 25, 26, y'all. It was, this, it was the a verse of the day. Did everyone see that? Do you have the Bible app? <laughs> verse of the day. There it is. How appropriate. Jesus said to her, this is John 11, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Hallelujah. Come on. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? The word's asking us. Jesus himself is the, is the resurrection and the life. Okay. Uh, if you hop over with me to Ephesians 1. Hallelujah. See, what I feel, I grew up a Christian. I grew up in a Christian family. And when you hear something over and over and over, you eventually think you know it because you've heard it over and over. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, happy Easter. Yeah, yeah, the cross. Yeah, yeah, okay, moving on. There's no power in what you know. You just know it, and that's great, and I I love my little Christian life, and I wear a Christian, like, cross necklace, and it's good. Okay, but what, what we need is a revelation or an encounter with what we already know. It's not that we need to always, you know, because some people get obsessed with always getting the latest thing. And, oh, my gosh, did you hear the latest podcast from this person? And did you have, oh, well, I heard this new revelation. There's no greater revelation than probably what you've already heard, that Jesus died, defeated hell and Hades and the grave, got the keys of life and death and came back alive defeating death and hell. That's pretty amazing. There's no greater revelation than that. But the problem is we've heard it so much in our lives. And if you're like me, it was like the cute Christian story you heard in children's church. And it was great. But you didn't quite grasp the power of it. And our prayers need to be, God, give me a revelation of what I already know. Give me an encounter with what I already know. Because I do know that Jesus died on the cross. Yes, I actually do believe that. But the power of it is not really seen in my life. Truly. And we need to pray. And I love Ephesians 1, verse 17. Paul is talking to the Ephesians. And he's saying in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Come on, say, say wisdom and revelation. Okay, so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he calls you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Incomparably great power is a big deal. Amen. How many of us have read this scripture and you're like, oh, incomparably great, no, da, 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 Jesus on the cross, that's great. But that's not what Paul was saying. He was writing to to the Ephesians, and he was like, man, I pray so much that you would get wisdom and revelation so that you can grasp him, so that you can grasp the hope that he's given you. He didn't say, I pray that you'd get wisdom and revelation so that you could be more great and successful and climb the Christian ladder and and then establish your ministry or do whatever you want to do. He didn't say that. He said, so that you would know him better. 
so that you would know the hope, the riches of his glorious inheritance that's ours. We need a revelation. We need to ask him again, show me again. Give me a revelation of the cross. Give me a revelation of the resurrection. You say that you're the resurrection. Show me. Show me again. And if Paul so yearningly wanted these Ephesians to know it, then it must be a really powerful thing. Because sometimes we treat, you know, Resurrection Sunday and Easter like this one-time event, like a little honeymoon event of our lives, and then we move on. But the revelation of what he did will echo for all eternity, like I said when I was there. It will echo for all eternity. Holy is the Lamb. Even the fact that they call him Lamb says that he went down to earth and he was the sacrificial Lamb and rose again. And we we need to ask the Lord, show me again. There's so much power in this cross. There's so much power in this resurrection. Give me the spirit. It says the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We need that because there's so much power in the cross, and we need to represent that to a dying world. They don't want a dead, dry religion. Like I said that one time I preached, they don't need a dry, cracker religion. Y'all, when you're having communion, also grew up in church, okay, you get all different kinds of the bread. (laughs) You're chewing that thing down, and you're like, Jesus, I love you, but all I have right now is a dry, cracker mouth. You know what I mean? (laughs) And, like, you need way more beverage than that little bit of, like, juice, you know, to wash that dryness down. (laughs) But some people's Christianity is like that. And every Sunday you eat the dry cracker, but really you need, you need the river of God to flow down your dry throat and make his, his gospel real and alive and living and active. Because we read it and that's nice, but it doesn't reflect in our lives. (laughs) we need a revelation. And Paul said, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I'm hungry for it. Are you hungry for it? Okay, John 10, 10 says, the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, but he came. He came. Sometimes we read that scripture and we're like, the devil came and the devil is so full on and the devil did this, devil, devil, he came, the devil came. No, no, someone greater came. His name is Jesus. A greater man came. A greater Savior came. So the emphasis isn't on the devil came. Oh, he's so huge. No, no, no. Someone, the devil may have come, but someone greater came for you. Someone greater, but he came. He came so that you could have life and life abundant. And if you don't have that in your life, I'm here to tell you, you can And it's not out of striving and being good enough. It's about opening up those arms of your heart and saying, yes. Yes, I will receive your life abundant. Because although the devil came, you came. A greater man came. Jesus. Come on, somebody. John 3, 16, we know it. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. Again, are there a lot of, like, people who grew up in the church here? Because I feel like it's a thing right now. That was me. Okay, I grew up in the church. God so loved. It's like the first scripture you ever learned. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but everlasting life. Amen. I don't know about you, but I didn't feel very much power in that as I said it. Even though there is power in it. And I love how that scripture begins. It says, for God so 
that he gave his son. He didn't so get fed up with your sin. He didn't get so like, oh, mankind, like, you know, Noah styles. Mankind, I just want to wipe them all out. I'm so tired of your sin. I'm so tired of, oh, well, I just better send a savior. No, love motivated him. Love was the driving factor because he so loved us. Jesus was sent. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb so that we could be saved. Because the heart of God is that none should perish. None should perish. And we associate that with just with hell, but it doesn't stop there. So that you and your Christian life should not perish, but have abundant life. That's what he paid for. And there, there comes a place in our Christianity where you have to, Jesus, I need more. I need more revelation. I need more wisdom. I need that abundant life that you said I could have. I need it. And he's like, yes, I'm your Savior. I came for that very reason. Amen. And um, uh, what I want to emphasize on, I'm going to read this Ephesians 1 again to you, but in the Amplified. Uh, who loves the Amplified? Okay. Like adds like five extra lines to your reading, but it's so good. <laughs> Ephesians 1.17, this is Paul. I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that gives you deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. Woo! And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, get ready, flooded with the light by the Holy Ghost. Woo! Flooded, flooded with the light of the Holy Ghost. So that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you. Everybody say me the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power. Woo, that's a lot of words. Okay, but that's pretty awesome. I'm just going to say it again, okay? That was a lot. Some went over some of your heads, okay? So that you will begin to know what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power. Who is in us who believe? There is active spiritual power in our lives. It's in us. And it all started with the love of Jesus. That you would know in your, I like to call it, your knower. Okay, that you would know in the core of your being that it was because of love that he died. It was because he loved you so much that he could not handle having any more separation. Amen? Romans 8.11 says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. Okay, we celebrate the resurrection and we say, yay, res happy resurrection Sunday, like it stops with Jesus. But that same power that raised him, that re resurrected him, is inside of us. That's pretty awesome. Why? Because he loves us. Because he so loved, he sent Jesus. And you can preach all the sermons of all the universe on the resurrection, but really it all boils down to he loves you because he loves you because he loves you because he loves you because that is who he is. 
And he wants to cram some more of that ability to love inside of you and to be loved. Amen. And, and, I, and Matthew 27, I'm not, you don't have to turn there. But when Jesus died, it says that he cried out in a loud voice and gave up his spirit. What's the first thing that he did after he did that, that happened that after he did that? The veil tore. The first thing he did was deal with the separation between you and him. He gave up his last breath for God so loved, for Jesus so loved. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. He hung there and he died because the love of God is so aggressive towards you. And right in the very moment that he gives up his breath, the veil of separation that separated all the people from the holies of holies, it ripped from the top to the bottom. I like to think maybe God, the Father himself, just got on down to the earth and ripped it himself. He didn't go and deal with, oh, we better wipe up this person's lust, and then all lust fell off the earth. He didn't go and deal with fear or anything else. He deal with the separation. Because after that cry went out, it was finished, and he said, finally, I don't have to be separated from them anymore. And I believe he himself tore that separation down. It was the first priority after his death. So many other things happened, but the first thing that happened was the separation had to go. And in some of our lives, we, we, live, we live this life where we feel like we are engrossed in sin or we're never good enough or we're always striving. And, and, and there's things we go with as Christians or even non-Christians. And, 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 we, and there's this underlying feeling that, that God's upset with you or like, he, you know, he's trying to like, he's so disgusted with you that there's like, he doesn't want to even be around you sometimes. And I, I think to myself, because I've had those feelings myself, can I be real? But if you think about it logically, he did everything to get to you. He gave his body, his name, come on. He gave his spirit, his word, his son. He didn't want any separation. And when his final breath went from his body, the first priority was dealing with the separation between you and him. And then we live our whole Christian lives thinking that somehow he wants to separate himself from us. It's contrary to the gospel. Why would he go to so much effort to cancel the separation only to separate you again? It's a lie. He resurrected so that he could be with you. He resurrected so that there would be no man to go through anymore. And we live our lives going through only the pastor, only your mentor, only your prayer partner. And you'll never engage with him directly, but that's what he gave everything for intimacy. It's all about closeness with him. Every bit of part of your life is about closeness with him. And every day that you live, whether you're saved or not, is a day closer to face him. Everyone must stand before God. It doesn't say every Christian, everyone. Everyone on the face of this earth, you wake up, that's a day closer. But I don't want to live my life like one day I'll kind of meet Jesus afar off. I want to meet my best friend when I die. And say, I was just with you, Jesus. Hello, I can see you face to face now. And that's how he wants it too. He didn't die such a brutal death so that you could be rejected all over again. He's not rejecting you. He's beckoning you. He did everything to grab your attention. 
because the goal was never to go through a man, to go through one priest, because God created Adam and Eve in the garden, and they were walking with him in the cool of the day. They weren't walking with someone else to get to him. Can I get a witness? Okay, the whole point of the resurrection is intimacy, is time with him. And you can never substitute it for anything. Amen? I want to read Psalm 113. See, the heart of God is not for another, quote-unquote, Easter event. It's not for another piece of chocolate, although that is good. Enjoy. Okay? But he's so much more than what we've allowed him into in our Easter weekends. He's tearing down the walls of separation in your life, and he won't stop until he has you. We know that Scripture says that he is a jealous God. And let me tell you, if you think of the devil's lied to you that you're some number in the crowd, it's a lie from the pit because you have your own set of fingerprints that no one else has on the face of the earth. He's after you because there's no one else like you and he made you. So while he loves having other people, there's not another you. And the Bible says that he knocks on the doors of our lives. He knocks on our hearts waiting for someone to answer him. His love is aggressive, and it's not going anywhere until he has what he wants because he gave everything for you. He loves you. Amen? Psalm 113, verse 1, it says, let's go from verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. That's what we're doing. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's bless him. Okay, we've done that. From the rising of the sun until it's going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. Hallelujah. The Lord is high above all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like our God? Come on, who dwells on high, but he humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. This is the God we serve, okay? Because the scripture says he is so amazing. He is to be praised in all the nations. But you know what? You know who he is? He's the one who stoops down and looks at the heavens and the earth to pay attention to what man is going through right now. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, verse 5. Who can comprehend with the Lord our God who is enthroned on high? He stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth, and he lifts the, the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes, even the princes of his own people. That's the God we serve. He is so holy, so awesome, so amazing. But he's not proud and lofty and too big enough not to come on down and to sit next to you and be in your life with you and lift you from the ashes of your situation. And he goes even further. It's not even lifting from the ashes It's taking the needy from the garbage dump. Because some of us, we read that scripture and we're like, oh, those poor children that live in garbage dumps. 
when you're living in the garbage dump of your own life right here in Orange County. And it might not look like a dump on the outside, but on the inside is a rotting corpse. And you are desperate and alone and starving for love. And Jesus is coming. Because he sees the truth of your life, however you want to paint it. He knows you. And he's not prepared to be blessed on high and to stay there while you go through hell. He's the God that comes down next to you and lifts you out of the ashes. It says you were meant for ashes. And he gets you out of the garbage dump of your life. And he sets you among princes. Because it's not enough to just get you out of the situation. You need to be placed where you belong. He did not pay such a price so that you could have part of the gospel, so that you could have a little bit of God, but a lot of garbage dump of your life. Oh, well, it's taken too long, and God, I prayed, and he didn't show up. Time is not an indicator of what his will is. Do not let, don't ever let that be the gauge of your life. Because we have such a microwave drive-through life in, our, in, our, in our, the world we live in that we apply that to God. So when he doesn't come through like the microwave in three minutes, we think he's left us. We base all of his love for us on when he should deliver it. And if he doesn't, that means he doesn't love me. No, this Bible is how he loves you. This cross, this resurrection, this garbage dump picking up out of gospel is how he loves you. And don't let the enemy lie to you. Because in a minute, God's going to pick you up out of your situation. The Bible says, doesn't, doesn't say, uh, feel that the Lord died on the cross and you'll be saved. It just says believe. And some of us, we, don't, we, don't, we won't ever cross over because we don't feel it. It doesn't matter. It's a decision. You just decide to believe it. And so much of our lives, we're gauging on the feelings. Let that go. Let me tell you, I could never worship if I based it on my feelings. <laughs> Can I get a witness? Okay, kids are screaming, poop is flying. Can I say poop? Okay, I changed so many diapers. I've changed thousands of diapers in my life. My twins are almost out of diapers, okay? But it's like, if I got up there and like lived out of my feelings, you would not enjoy what was coming out of my mouth. It would be like, get off, girlfriend. But I had to make a choice long ago to worship out of the belief in my heart. Because my feelings come and go and life throws me stuff and always on a Sunday throws me stuff. And I'm like, whatever. It's not going to change my choice to believe that he is the, he's the one who lifts me up out of the ashes, out of the garbage dump of my life and places me with princes. That's the God we serve. And his love is a strong, aggressive, charging love. And it's coming after us. And you might want to run, but he's that father looking out for the prodigal son. That father was out looking. It wasn't like, oh, your son's coming. Oh, quickly get out on the porch and look for him. Day after day after day after day, the father was searching for the prodigal. Is he going to come today? He refused to believe that he was dead. Even though they celebrated because everyone else thought he was dead. He was dead. Now he's alive. Yay. But the father never believed that. He was standing watching. And the heart of God is standing and watching over all of you today and all of your loved ones and everyone around you in your workplace. He's standing. He's watching. He's like, I gave it all. Quick, let's see. There's so much more to what he did than even what we've tasted.
but it all starts with how much he loves you and he wants to be with you. And he's not going to give you a mediocre Christianity that some man or doctrines of demons formulated for you to believe that gave you no life. That's not the gospel. Because some of you have had a guts full of religious man, and you're like, I'm going to spit that out of my mouth because I don't want that kind of religion. You might still believe, like, I kind of believe Jesus, like, I believe that, but like all that man stuff, I cannot handle. You know what Jesus can't either? He spits this out of his own mouth, okay? So you're not alone, but you can't stay isolated. The love of God is bigger than that. You can't stay isolated in the garbage dump of the hurt of your heart. You weren't designed for that. You were designed to be sitting with other princes. Amen? You know, and the thing that impressed upon my heart, too, with this message today was that so many of us live like there was no cross. And while we might believe it, like, yeah, I believe Jesus died, or maybe you've never even heard the message before, Jesus died on the cross, it's true. Okay, but a lot of us... It's like this one-time experience that we kind of believe, but then we go on living our own lives, and there is no effect of the cross in our lives. And you're pretty much living your life like there was no cross. It's just kind of this addition to something you kind of believe sometimes on Easter, Christmas, or when you really, really need him, but it's not something that you really, it really reflects in your life. We can't live like there was no cross, that like there was no resurrection. It must permeate through every part of our lives, Amen. Okay, let's go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 and verse 4. But because of his great love for us, there's that love, God who is rich in mercy, rich in mercy, hallelujah, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in trespass, uh, tres- transgressions, It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ. Okay, Jesus got raised, so did we. Come on. And seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Okay, not through feeling, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, hallelujah, not garbage junk works, good works, with which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Hallelujah. I could just say that, and that would be enough for us to chew on. It was a gift. The salvation that Jesus gave us was a gift. It wasn't earned. It was by the merciful grace of God over our lives so that we wouldn't have to ever work for it. Amen? And I, and I, I feel like sometimes in our Christianity, we live like there was no cross and that there was no grace of salvation, and we go ahead and work for everything ourselves. So you might have said, like, uh, Jesus, I receive you. Yes, I prayed the sinner's prayer, but it was like, an, it was like a, you can become the friend next to me sometimes, but I'm really still the Lord of my life. I'm really still the one who's in charge. I'm the one who works for everything. You are not the Savior that is now my my Lord and Master. You're the one that's kind of there sometimes. And that's not the cross and the resurrection victory that he died to give us. Amen? Okay, but what we need to do is that we need to understand that if it is by grace, then all it takes is just believing. 
All it, again, it's not feeling, oh, when I get the goosebumps, that means faith is active. No, often faith is there when you feel nothing, when it's like the most impossible situation and everyone else is getting all blessed by God and you're over there feeling nothing. Let me tell you, you still have something and that's your faith. That's that belief. It doesn't matter what all the turmoil on the outside. The undercurrent of your life is belief. It's my faith. That's how you're saved. But somehow in our Christianity, we end up taking it all back and, and being our own workers of righteousness and, and trying to get ourselves to a place where we can receive certain things. And we believe there's like kind of different levels of what people can receive. Oh, well, that person's really godly, so like, of course they will get everything, but me, I really need to like work so hard, and if I fast 20 days, and if I read all these scriptures, then I'll be able to receive, and, uh, and then that'll be my moment of breakthrough. And I've seen people do that. I've seen people work and strive and, 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 and all these things in God, and then they finally are like successful, and then they turn on the believing. They're like, oh, I can believe now because I've got myself to this point of whatever they think success is. And then they turn on the believing, and then all this breakthrough starts happening, and they associate it to all the work they did. But really, it was the turning on of the believing that brought the breakthrough. And if they would have turned the believing on before all that work, they would have got the breakthrough then. It's not by works. It's a gift. This life, this intimacy, it's a gift. You don't have levels of, oh, she can, you can, all this stuff. All it is is you saying, yes, I believe. Do I feel it? No. Do I see it? No. But I choose to believe. And that's something that no one can take for you as long as you hold it in your heart. Okay, but you need to understand if we are going to do this thing with Jesus, that it is always faith that unlocks the breakthrough for your life. His grace, his love, his gift of salvation. Amen? Okay, because, you know, have you ever heard the term self-righteous? You self-righteous so-and-so, da-da-da-da-da, you know, like you associate it with all the proud, mean people. <laughs> I know I have. And the Holy Spirit said to me, he's like, no, no, that's not where it, like, starts and finishes. That's part of it. But really, self-righteousness is when we try and make ourselves righteous apart from his grace and his righteousness. And there's so much of the body of Christ right now living self-righteous lives. You will not receive until you feel like you're good enough to receive, or you fasted enough, or you did all this stuff enough, or you attended enough church services so I can receive from the, it's all works and striving. It's a gift that you say yes to. Don't be self-righteous. That won't get you righteousness, even though you might try. The goal is never true righteousness. It's failure, disappointment, self-hatred. We don't want to be self-righteous. We want his righteousness to come because we said yes to him. Yes, there are times in our lives where we do have to work at things, where we do have to fast, but not out of a place of, if I don't do this, he won't give it to me. Or I better perform so that I, he thinks I'm good enough. So I'm like that anointed person. So I better be like that. He didn't give you their fingerprints, so that might not be the way he has it for you. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay, but you will never feel fulfilled. You know, we're resurrection Sunday. Yes, hallelujah. But you're like, okay, I need to go home. I need to keep going to Sunday. I need blah, 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 all these things. And you're a list of striving. He's like, it's a gift. Can you just say yes to it? It's my grace and my mercy, my life, my blood, my everything. Can you just say yes to it? Because he did everything so that separation would be taken away from you. 
it's not as hard as we think it is. And in this life, we sometimes feel like it's so hard, it's so overwhelming. There's no way, and you feel so far away from God, but he's not far. Galatians 3, in verse 1 to 3, Paul says, I'm going to read it to you. Galatians 3, actually starting verse 2, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? Your flesh will never perfect you. Your flesh, working all the works in the flesh will never get you to a place that you really are trying to get to. You don't start in the spirit and then figure out how to get yourself out in the flesh. You start in the spirit, you remain in the spirit. That doesn't mean sometimes we like slipping out in the flesh or we might be like, oh, you know, oh my gosh, I slipped up and I started striving. It's okay, just get back on the train of his mercy, grace, and love for you. Throw your hands up and receive. It's not like a cute Christian act. It's really a spiritual thing. Okay, but we don't ever want to do this. Start in, oh, I was so in love with Jesus. I was tears and then I grew up in the Lord. And I had like, I'm not as emotional anymore because that's how I was like when I was a baby Christian. I'm like, I hope I tear and cry and snot and roll all the days of my life. Oh, I hope I look like your description of baby Christian forever because I feel the most fulfilled when he's undoing me from the inside out. Amen? Come on. And, and I think, too, I want to say this, too. You know, he's given us so much from what he did on the cross and, and the resurrection. He gave us his blood, his name, his word, healing, breakthrough in every area that we could possibly need it. And sometimes we live our lives praying these prayers. God, I just give me strength. God, give me strength. Give me breakthrough. Give me da-da-da. Like, and you're praying for things that he's already given you. He convicted me about this one time because I was, like, having the screaming kids one day, and I'm like, God, like, I'm so tired. I need so much strength. Please help me. Like, I just give me strength. Just give it to me. And the Holy Spirit whispered to me, and he's like, you already have it. You already have it. He's like, you need to change the way you're praying. He said, instead of saying, give me something like I'm withholding, you need to say, help me realize what I've already given you. And so I was like, oh, okay. And like, I felt the anointing come upon me. And I was like, Lord, show me the strength that's inside of me. Show me the strength that you've already given me. Show me what the cross did. Show me what the resurrection did. Show me. I'm not going to beg like an orphan like you withheld something because he's withheld nothing from us. And, and it's a lie from the pit that says he's holding something back or you're not good enough. He hasn't. He's done everything to get to you. And, we, and, and our prayers need to be turned to, Lord, show me what I have. Show me what I believe. Show me the strength inside of me. Because it's there, everybody. There's strength inside of you. There's victory inside of you. His name is Jesus, and we know greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. And we're not living a doormat gospel where we're pleading and, oh, can I? And maybe if I'm good enough, that's not the gospel. The gospel is before you even knew the gospel, you were good enough. For him to send his best. Amen. For him to send his the most precious person on the face of the earth. That's how good you are. Amen. Okay, and the cross and the resurrection, those are really only the beginning of all the amazing, like Paul said, riches, glorious inheritance, incomparable great power, all those things sit on top of the cross and the resurrection. But a lot of us just stay right there. 
We stay all cross and resurrect, and that's it. But we don't take anything that it did. I had a friend who was like, well, I just like to only focus on the cross and the salvation message, and I don't worry about any of that other stuff. I'm like, oh. I was like, do you even know what you're saying? <laughs> I'm like, the cross and the resurrection, first of all, it's everything. But second of all, it's the doorway to all the kingdom of heaven that he died for us to have. And I thought about it like this, like the cross and the resurrection is like the plate. And everything else inside of it is the food that goes on top of the plate. So sometimes in our Christianity, we're holding our plate up like, I got the plate, woo! Cross and resurrection, look at my shiny plate, but you'll never go and get the meal that that plate holds up. He gave you a plate. The cross and the resurrection was a dinner plate that you could put food on top of and eat from. Don't live just like an empty plate gospel. It's supposed to hold up the richness of his spirit, the richness of the nourishment of heaven that you're supposed to eat and live off of all the days of your life. Fill my plate. Come on, how many times he's like, come and sit at the table. Come and dine with me in the presence of your enemies. And then the marriage supper of the lamb. It's all about eating. Because he's like, I gave you a plate. It's not meant to be empty. Come on, come and get a meal. Come and show me what I'm going to put on top of that cross, on top of that resurrection for your life. It's all in his word. You just have to say yes to it. Come on, somebody. Don't just have an empty plate gospel. Amen. Because let me tell you something. Jesus is not still there on the cross dead. Okay, because that's a thing too. Oh, poor, you think of the cross, people get all up to Easter and they're like, oh, good Friday. Oh, and they're like all solemn and sad like Jesus is still on the cross. Yes, it's a very sober thing that he did and what he took on his life was very, very sobering. But we don't need to cry and be sad like he's still there, not in all power and glory, amen? He's in power and glory. So when it comes to Good Friday resurrection, it's like, woo, Jesus is alive, He's not crying dead on a cross. He rose again. Okay, and it's so important that we celebrate the resurrection because it proves his defeat of death and hell and the keys of life being restored to man. He's not hanging up there, and everything he says you can have, you can have. Amen? You know, we don't need to carry our own cross. We don't need to live our lives through separation, okay? And sometimes you just need to do this. Yes, he did die for me. Yes, I have a Savior. Yes, I'm going somewhere. Who was there on Tuesday? Okay. And when a hell comes in, it's like, well, Jesus and the cross, take that. You pray in all these demonic I bind you prayers. You just needed to present the cross and the resurrection and the blood that no demon can trample on. But the trouble is it goes back again, the revelation and the wisdom of what he did. It needs to stay fresh inside of us. And the power of his aggressive love towards us. A lot of people do that too. They're like, oh, frail Jesus on the cross. Oh, you know, he's not on the cross there. Oh, poor Jesus. He's there bleeding. It's like, no, that's how powerful and strong Jesus was. Because even enduring all of that, it couldn't kill him. It was only when he gave up his spirit that he left. So the, don't say that my Jesus is like a little punk. He's the strongest person in all the universe. Look at how strong he was. He took all that. He took all my sin. And it still couldn't kill him. They couldn't take his life away. He gave it up for us. I serve the strongest person in all the universe. How about you? Some days it doesn't feel that way, but in my heart I know, and I don't care. I say it, and Jesus is the strongest. You know, my kids are saying it now. Mom, how big is Jesus? Is he strong? I'm like, he is the strongest. 
person in all the universe. He's like, but then how tall does that make him? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know, you know, like, he's tall. Um, I'm like, sorry, Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, he's as tall as the heavens. Where are the heavens? Et cetera, et cetera. Okay, but the bottom line is this. <laughs> <laughs> having kids really challenges your like theology like why do I believe he who wins souls is wise like he who raises sons and daughters is wise you know what I mean in the gospel I'm like oh my gosh how do I explain this to you anyway <laughs> Molly knows some of them is Jesus working out of my heart is there a light on in my heart and I'm like oh. well he's not in your physical heart like he, I, I don't know <laughs> it's so sweet and pure though if he's in there, does he need the light on? I'm like, I'm like, no, he is light. But if he's light, then I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Can we, just, can we just say yes to everything he did afresh? And can we ask him for the revelation and an encounter with what we know? And can we, can we just grab a hold and not live any less? Because we don't want to live like there was no cross. Amen? We don't want to live like we have, like, and for some levels we'll take it and other levels we'll work for it. That's not going to work in the long run. So let's stand up and just pray some prayer. I hope this helps somebody. Okay, we don't want to be self-righteous. We want to be his righteous. Some of you right now just need to give up some of that striving. Okay? Because even before you could strive, he loved you perfectly all the way. Look at all the birds are agreeing with me right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> all right, Jesus, we celebrate you, the victory of what you did. Whoo! And right now we exchange our self-righteousness for your righteousness. And if there's any striving, we repent and we release it unto you, God, right now in Jesus' name. And, Lord, I thank you that um, there's no, no thing that can separate us, God. No height, no depth, no, no, no uh, evil that we might have done, no sin, no mess up, God. I thank you that even Peter, God, okay, even Peter, man, when he came out on the water, and he was like uh, trying his best to walk on it. You didn't leave him in the dust and just say, oh, well, your faith didn't work, so you just better sink, buddy. You just better go down. You still reached your hand out towards him. And I thank you, your hand is still outstretched towards us, that you lift, lift us up out of the garbage dump of our own lives, God, and, and what are, are the ashes of what might have been and, and that's burned to the whatever, God. We just right now present ourselves afresh to you. And if some of you in this room, if you don't know Jesus, I want to encourage you right now to invite him into your heart because he did die for you, because he did give everything for you, because he knows you better than you know yourself. And right now I'm, getting, I'm not going to have anyone pray a sinner's prayer because that's not even in the Bible. I'm serious. And a lot of people are deceived because they prayed it, but they didn't invite him to be Lord. He's not in addition. He's Lord. So right now, if you want to give your life afresh to Jesus, if you say, I've been hearing what you're saying, I can relate to some of the things you're saying, I just want you right where you are to say Jesus or whatever way you say it. I'm sorry for my sins, and I just, 
I want to invite you to be the Lord of my life. And I ask you to just wash me clean and because I've been striving, I've been trying to be good enough and I didn't realize. And I know that every day of my life is a day closer to you. So I want to be close now. So right now, if that's you, just the Bible says that we have to confess with our mouth. So it's not, you know, I mean, sometimes it is enough just to think it, but I like just to say it out of my mouth. So wherever you are, you might just want to whisper it to the Lord. In your own words, just let him be the Lord of your life. He loves you. He did everything so that he wouldn't be separated from you. And he's not about to just lead you out onto the water and let you sink. His hand is right there reaching for you. We know his word says that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And right now, God, for all the rest of us who have been saved, we just relinquish striving, God, and works and, and wrong belief systems that you died for us and then want to separate us again. We just tear that down right now in Jesus' name. And I pray for a greater level of intimacy for all of us with you, God, that we would know you for real, not just words on a paper, not just because someone else said, but because we know you for you. And I pray that as a body of people, we would go into just deep, deep friendship with you like we've never had, God. That you would come and lift us out, God. And I pray that you would seat us in heavenly places like you said. And I pray that we would know about all the riches and the inheritance and the power and the love. I pray that you would start unraveling that to us now. Unravel that to us, God. And you know what, God? We're sorry if we've become familiar and you know we've heard it over and over and it just kind of lost its power because we kind of stopped paying attention to it Lord we repent for that we just ask we pray you know like Paul did he kept asking you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation for the Ephesians we ask that for ourselves wisdom and revelation wisdom and revelation wisdom and revelation that right here in Ephesians says that gives us a deep and personal insight into the true knowledge of who you are so we can know you better. I pray that the eyes of our hearts, the very center and core of our beings, may be enlightened and flooded with the light of the Holy Ghost, that we would know and cherish the hope to which you have called us. We just take the limits off of you right now. Let the limits come off. We repent for empty plate gospel lives, God, that we've agreed to. We're not going to stay satisfied there anymore. I pray that you'd fill our plates up with the goodness and the riches from your heart. And Lord, where we might have been carrying our own burdens and trying to be our own saviors, we just release that unto you. If we could save ourselves, you wouldn't have had to go to the cross. We relinquish that self-righteous, self-saving saving face thing, God. And we pray that you would just undo us from the inside out. Undo us from the inside out. And I also just rebuke every voice of hell that says you're not good enough, that says you'll never be enough, that you have to strive for him to notice you. We just cancel all those off. And I thank you for overwhelming love to just fill our hearts right now. Can we just take five more minutes to just receive from him?
might just sing over you a little bit. Is that okay? Just let the Lord minister you five more minutes. I know we've gone along, but that's how we roll. Come, Jesus. Come and reveal the power of the resurrection to us right now. Come and reveal your heart to us right now. In Jesus' name, let all separation go. All the separation goes in Jesus' name. 